This is Joe Perry of Big Green. The June-July episode of This is Big Green will not be heard right away. So, we are going to rerun an episode of Ned Trek, Ned Trek 10, A Plea for Arms. This is from June of last year, 2013, and we're going to play it right now. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is Lee Majors. Last month on NetTrek, a highly advanced supercomputer took over control of the free enterprise and destroyed several very expensive spaceship models. On account of that, our adventure this week is going to revolve around just a couple of the usual sets, and there won't be any incredible special effects to enjoy. But before you kids start to get disappointed, this is still going to be an amazing episode that will feature cast members wearing some astounding out-of-this-world get-ups and improbable space-age hair pieces. And they've even rented a huge miniaturized purple squirrel. It just goes to show that studios don't have to spend a mint in order to produce high-quality entertainment. So prepare to enjoy this all-new episode of NetTrek. So long for now! Marketplace. These are the voyages of the Starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length, um, until we're canceled, I guess, to seek out strange new commodities, exploitable alien workforces, to brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. I say, Captain Sir, I'm so gratified that you tapped me to be part of this here landing party, for I do declare, this is one of the most beauteous planets that God ever created. And when I say that, I'm intentionally including the planet Demetas, where I spent a year of convalescence, taking the waters there. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Doc. And for some reason, it's standard practice for us to bring the ship surgeon on these potentially dangerous away missions. After all, you never know if someone's going to need a band-aid or something. And Doc, this is the planet Glock 5. It's not Shangri-La. I figured that even a deluded bastard like you would notice that we were walking through a poison thorn forest next to a reeking ocean of liquid methane. I see it's uncanny. It's so much like home. You know, I spent some time here as a missionary back in the 70s. After single-handedly converting most of France, some of Portugal, and a few vacationing phlegms, I went into near-outer space, where I tried to convert the giant face on Mars. But wouldn't you know, he already belonged to the Mormon faith. Actually, as it turned out, most of the other Martian rocks did, too. I should have known. <laughs> I suppose that the Osmonauts got there before me. After that, I came to this planet where I did my best to save all the souls I could. Ah, yes indeed, Brother Romney. You were doing God's work in upholding our subprime directive all at the same time. <laughs> Definitely. I opened a chain of shoe stores where I resold radioactive clumpenoid footwear and made a killing for me and for Jesus. As you all know, 10% of my profits go directly to my church for a range of worthy tax-deductible causes like the Save a Nazi Fund. Oh yes, the clumpenoids all died horribly in searing pain after we had no choice but to instigate a thermal nuclear war on their planet. I'm so glad to hear that someone made a useful profit on all those undepleted uranium shoes that had been left behind. I was able to move some matching pleated plutonium trousers as well. <laughs> it's so good to be back here. I have so many fond memories of this planet. I recall while walking around here wearing my futuristic 1970s turtleneck, Marveling at the majestic stink that God made when he created this planet's holy sea of methane, I stumbled over my package of emergency croissants. I lay there unconscious for seven days and twelve nights. For the other five days, I ate the croissants. 
Then, one of the Glossian pagans came upon me, scooped me up in his manly arms, and brought me back to his enchanting hovel. Once they got over the pleasant surprise of my white skin, they began to heal me and welcome me into their community. But, Willard, they're all white-skinned, too. Why the hell would they be surprised about that? I see. It seems that meeting someone of God's own complexion is even a welcome relief for hell-bound pagans. Those people are just ripening to be saved. Shortly thereafter, I was made a blood brother by the top man head chief boss of the tribe. His name is Gaibo, and he's a natural-born leader. A kind of Stone Age Moses without the staff, although he does retain a secretary. <laughs> Doc, you know, I tried my best to interest my friend Gaibo in my religious faith, but all he really wanted was a few of my turtlenecks. I have to admit, the turtleneck went well with his big white bouffant hairdo and nagahide loincloth. So somehow they healed you and took you into their tribe. Did they show you where the gold was or the dilithium or anything else of value on this planet? Oh, that's right, you were on missionary work. You would have been obligated to wait a few days before making such inquiries. Mind you, I was still sick as anything. Fortunately for me, my friend Gaibo was able to find a Bozotu woman. <laughs> they are the local clown people, or witch people, depending on what kind of party you want to book entertainment for. Anyway, they always carry band-aids. Captain Willard, there's a group of Colossians heading this way. I can hear them with my super-sensitive Palomino ears. Yeah, I can hear them with my regular ears, too. They seem to be singing some kind of primitive hunting ballad. Silence. What do we have here? My Rob, my friend brother from the up there in the sky rock. Gaibo! <laughs> my friend brother from the over here dirt rock. I'm so glad to see you looking prosperous and vacantly content. Does this mean that you are at last one with my own Mormon faith? No, my friend. I am still a child of the stench fog and its sister god, the green Guji Guji tree. No offense, but those deities seem pretty half-baked. Perhaps you could take my card. My think tank consulting firm might just be able to come up with some more feasible primitive god names. We can also help you make more efficient use of verbs and adjectives. Right now, most of your sentences seem to end up in a pile-up of nouns. <laughs> Maybe I'd like to take one of those cards myself. A catchy god name might be just the ticket when we're converting some of the more intractable inanimate objects. Hey, maybe you should consider coming up with an angel name that doesn't have the word moron in it. In fact, I've already been thinking along those lines, and my people have come up with a few good candidate names. I'll give you two now as free samples. What about Bumbahova? Or how about Plopdil? I don't know about you, but I like it. Just hearing the sound of that name conjures up a vision of Angel Plopdil fluttering around, dispensing wisdom and revealing valuable golden texts. I could definitely imagine him dispensing something. I'd like it too, but I think even discussing the subject is making Plopdil angry. Actually, this is the kind of thing that we might contract out to Frank Luntz. I mean, he's a massive genius with stuff like this. He changed his own name, you know. He used to be Herbie Luntz. The man just has the platinum touch. I think that's because he takes his fees in platinum. Although I find this conversation to be utterly fascinating... I thought the whole point of our trip was to make sure that hostile aliens weren't corrupting the natural evolution of Glashan society. Everyone in this sector should know that only the Confederation has the right to do that. I see. It's the Confederate burden to bring these people into the light of McJesus and to save them all from the fire pit of hell and from anti-corporate vegetarianism. So, Gaibo, have any other strange people from the Skylights been showing up around here? Well, Brother Myram, I had my skylight worked on last week. The insulation around the window frame came loose, and rain was getting into our wood rock metal hut. The men that came did look a little strange. Some had hairs on their faces and bellies. Perhaps they didn't want to harm us. 
You guys have skylights on your huts? Were those strangers white like us? Or were they, um, white like most of our sworn enemies? For instance, like our ideological opposites, the abominants. Hey, in case it's escaped everyone's attention, I'm more golden than white, although I do have a distinctive white blaze across the top of my nose. Gaibo, can you describe these other bad stone rock people from the sky? I mean, did they act like us, but in a more roundabout sort of way? I don't know. Your words are strange to me. You're not alone there, fella. If it was the Obamulans, you'd know it. They'd be butting into your business, telling you how to farm more efficiently, and then obligating you to buy their own brands of pesticides, fertilizers, and genetically modified seeds. <laughs> now, we wouldn't tell you how to farm. You might do it wrong, but that would be your right. Anyway, the market provides the incentive for you to learn how to do this stuff yourself, using our merchandise, of course. The Abomulans also never invite us to their parties. Or if they do, we never have any fun. Yeah, I just hate those guys. They're always co-opting our ideas, and then they have the nerve to go ahead and implement them, thus proving to everyone that they sucked in the first place. I hate that. There are people that have been causing us harm. We call them the village people. Yes, yes, they caused us all great harm back in the 1970s, back on the, uh, island that we came from. Everything they produced was really quite heinous. I guess now we know what happened to them after that dark period in the Earth's, um, island history. So, was one of them dressed like a construction worker and another one like an Indian chief? Each evening, the village people would come and steal our crops, abduct our women, and even commit kranka on our most holy circle rock. Are you sure they were the village people? I didn't think they were interested in women. Oh my god, not Kronka on the Holy Rock. That's just so outrageous. Hey, by the way, what is Kronka? I see. You'll have to wait till Gaibo gets back here to answer. He said that he had to go Kronka and then just kind of danced out of here. Well, it looks like we got here just in time. The village people are obviously Obamulans and artsy drag. I think that it's likely, given what we know about their flagrant disregard of family values. One thing is for certain. We must assist the Glossians in repelling this unfortunate lifestyle. I see, I see. It's more of a death style, isn't it, sir? I'd certainly like to be able to help Gaibo and his people. I like the idea of assisting them and at the same time helping the Confederation, God, and our own personal bottom lines. Well, we confront them all the guns they need in order to get a startup war underway. And then when the whole planet starts to catch, we can come back and sell them massive amounts of munitions. Or at least enough to keep the thing burning. It's all textbook stuff, sir. It's as good as gold in the bank. Don't look now, but Gaibo is coming back. Byron, why don't you follow us back to our hill camp and join us in the festival meal of the Bigoto? Sir, what is a Bigoto? <laughs> the Bigoto is the most savage beast of the poison thorn forest. Once every year on the day before the great splung harvest, a few of the tribe's bravest man-heap-owl men go out into the forest to test their bravery against the fierce and dreaded Bigoto. We must all go now, my friends. It is nearly the Zamboni hour. Now what does Zamboni mean? Zamboni actually means Zamboni in this case. <laughs> My company gave away a free Zamboni with the 999th radioactive shoe that was sold. It's radioactive, too. Follow me, Chief Byram, and all my new friends. Please don't tell me that I'm going to have to stare at this guy's half-covered ass all the way back to camp. Can't he fasten that loincloth a bit more securely? Well, you should be the last one to complain, Mr. Ned, seeing as though we've all had to stare at your rather massive behind for about ten episodes now. What? Why didn't anybody tell me? I thought I had pants on all this time. It's not easy for me to see what's going on back there, you know. Is there anything else you guys haven't been telling me? Only that the real reason that no one wants to use your science station is not so much that we don't believe in science, though we don't. It's that we're not too keen on navigating around that pile of, um, Kronka all around your chair. I see, I see. Old General Ashcroft wouldn't have stood for it. 
Back then, when he was in power, he instituted himself a national war against butts and titties. It's a righteous cause that we should never abandon. I agree that it was the right thing for Ashcroft to be concerned about. I mean, I mean, if we weren't hit by Al-Qaeda on 9-11, we were sure to be hit by butts and, um, titties. Our intelligence monkeys had reported that they had been massing for some time, mostly in failed states. <laughs> I agree. As a preventative measure, I had my own butt filled with plastic decades ago. I discovered that it improved my morals and my swimming abilities. In fact, plasty buttusion is now a standard part of the Mormon baptism. Jesus, that explains so much. I'd like to talk to you, Sky Chief Myron. We were just talking about you, old friend. Your butt must be burning. <laughs> we ask that you provide us with boon poles, Myron. We need boon poles to protect our people from our most deadly enemies. These people are much more advanced than I thought they were. I mean, if they want boom poles, they must know all about state-of-the-art audio recording techniques. I wonder if they have fancy microphones to go on those poles, or if they just cobble something together out of Gaussian yak bladders and bits of dumb. He's talking about guns, Mr. Pearl, not audio recording equipment. Oh, well. Still, I figure we can help them in both areas. I mean, they might want at some point to record their guns going off with some boom mics, right? But I do wonder what their word is for a real boom pole. I imagine that it must cause some confusion if only in conversations between the planet's elite gun-toting audio techs. Don't look now, but I think as cash indicator light is starting to turn on. I've got an idea. Hey, Gaipo, you might consider calling them Kablawi rods. That should solve your nomenclature problems. Now, can I build this planet directly for my consulting work, or should I just build Starfleet as an independent contractor? It's my standard practice to do both. <laughs> I know that's what I'll do after saying that last line. And that one, too. We should provide them with more than boom poles, sir. We should give them thermonuclear missiles. That would put an end to any illicit midnight cronking. Hey, Gaibo, you could call them big heap kablawi lava spears. And mind you, there's no charge for that one. Just please tell all of your backward friends on other planet rocks about my firm's services. Captain Willard... Can we arrive at the hut already? All this walking in circles is making me dizzy. Mr. Ned, the director has just signaled me that we can stop now. Either that or he's ordering his lunch. <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell what he's doing with that chicken suit on. This is my wife, Svenoinkle. She's one of the Bozutu tribe. Hi, Mrs. Gaibo. I'm Captain Willard Metilius Romney of the Starship Free Enterprise, and this is some of my intrepid crew. I expect that your husband has told you all about us in our strangely futuristic ways. I understand that you've come here to help my husband defeat his enemies, the village people. Well, you should all go right back where you came from. My husband is a deluded creep, a greedy liar, and a fool. If you believe anything that this demented maniac says, then you're even more foolish than he is. It's just all so sad. I should have known. We've been wasting our time. It seems we're always wasting our time in this stupid show. To think I could be walking around in circles on one of the sets back home. <laughs> no, you don't understand, Mr. Ned. That was just a little of the ritualized humiliation that characterizes the strange relationships between the men and women on this planet. What she's really saying is, Hello! Pleased to meet you all! And how are the Glossian moon cabbages doing? Thanks for asking, Mame. The moon cabbages are fine! That sounds like old-style gunfire! We better follow Mr. Pearl's lead and get undercover! No! This is my cowering hole! Go find your own! Need a free enterprise? <laughs> aye, aye, sir. Sulu here. Mr. Sulu? <laughs> We're coming under fire down here. It's all really rather exhilarating, but I think we may need some assistance. I've got an armed team of volunteers standing by in the transporter room. Do you want me to beam them down, sir? 
No, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, there's nothing quite so American as a team of armed men ready to shoot up a storm in some godforsaken protectorate. Actually, all I really want now is for Mr. Stephanie to beam down and make sure that he's wearing one of my command shirts. I may need him for a few stunts. In fact, I'm scripted to do a dramatic dive and shoulder roll in about 30 seconds or so. Um, okay, sir. We're sending him down now, using your coordinates. Hey, how come I don't get a stuntman? I'd like to be seen to make a mad heroic dash out into the heart of the firefight and, um, maybe do some other daring things as well. Well, after Mr. Stephanie finishes my stunts, he can change shirts and do some for you, too. And then we'll all be heroes. Um, Mr. Stephanie, please come over here and get ready to make my move for me. I'm on my way, sir. You know, I was trying to remember the other thing that Stephanie does for us on the ship. And now I remember it. He dies for us. Definitely, he's a good man to have around. If only for a little while. <laughs> I'm sorry that he's dead. I actually wanted him to make a trip to the space can for me. I had too many cups of a delicious blue beverage before I came out today. I'm not sure, sir, but I think that may be outside his contracted obligations to Starfleet and to Paramount. Captain, the studio needs to hire a special whiz kid for that kind of job. I see, I see, Captain, sir. I fear to inform you the latest tragedy that has befallen our beleaguered band of spacefaring brothers. Oh, Lord above, please give me the strength to endure this sad task that you saw fit to burden me with on this day. Oh, woe is me, calamity of calamities has again plagued our people, despite our righteous faith and our fortitude in the face of adversity. We must gird our loins and other tender parts before the eyes of the tempest and the gathering whirlwind. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'll tell him. Mr. Ned has been shot, sir. It looks like he finally found a dignified way off this show. Mr. Ned, I can't believe it. I mean, I was just talking to him, and wait a minute. Wait a minute, he was just talking right now. Hey, that means we all get to beam back up onto the ship now, right, Captain? Although you know how much I'd rather stay here and avenge Mr. Ned's death. Look here, right now, I'm even going to pretend to smear some of his blood on my uniform, see? Now it looks like I'm just burning for revenge. Anyway, though I'd be extremely happy to face death and everything, and also help to win the rights of the Gaussian people to continue to live their pointless Stone Age lives, I really should be accompanying the deceased body of my great friend, Mr. Ned. Don't do me any favors, Pearl. <laughs> now, Mr. Pearl, with Mr. Ned down, I'm afraid that we'll need an officer of your experience to help train the Glushans on how to use the boom poles. Can't one of the sound technicians do that? Um, um, my place is to help Mr. Ned, my, um, great friend horse. I see. I won't be able to accompany you back to the ship either, Mr. Ned, sir. I strongly feel that my place is here with the landing party and with his holy mission in the sight of God and in the gaslight of his powerful righteousness. I've heard the call to pick up my Jesus rifle and to lock and load. Of course, who would expect a surgeon to want to be anywhere near the place where operations take place? What sense would there be in that? It's funny that you say that, uh <laughs> well, not ha-ha funny, but a lot of conservative doctors have found that they have a much higher calling that is in the realm of right-wing politics. Take your doctors Paul or Phil Gingrey or that Burgess guy, and, well, I guess even yourself to some extent, Dr. Colburn. Believe me, anything that gets those guys out of opening people up is probably a good thing. I can imagine waking up from anesthetic and finding my chest cavity filled with uninspected salmonella sponges and Iron Ran novels. I say never fear, gentlemen. Our own Mr. Ned will be in the care of the highly skilled Dr. Magoto. Is he a veterinarian? Quite probably. He even has the word goat in his name. Besides, here tally in turn on a Palomino ward. 
Or was it that he interned with a guy whose name was Leo Ward? Or maybe he was prosecuted for malpractice and then served time with a fellow named Erwin Lamano. It was something like that. Well, at least he could kind of wash off the wound area and maybe put some kind of stopper in the hole where the blood is a-googling out from. To think, if this were a socialist ship, you'd have to wait in line for that kind of service. And after that, you'd probably have to be brought before some kind of Maoist death panel. Free Enterprise, Mr. Sulu, please have Mr. Ned's body beamed aboard. <laughs> Alas, poor horse. I knew him, but oh well. Um, I sir. We'll beam him back home. I'm actually still alive in a Willard. What about Mr. Stephanie? Should we have his carcass beamed up as well? Probably not, Mr. Pearl. <laughs> I guess he won't be much use for most stunts now. But we could probably use him if one of us needs to fall off a cliff or something. Or if we need to be blown up by a landmine. I'm sure he'd serve quite satisfactorily for that. Brother Myron, it looks like the village people have somehow moved off behind the jagged hills that are painted on the set's backdrop. Oh yeah, I forgot all about them. This whole subplot that developed with Mr. Ned kind of made me forget where we were pretending to be. So what do you think, Captain? It was probably the cowboy and the policeman that were firing at us, right? I don't think the other members of the village people were armed. At least they weren't back in the 70s. Were they? I see. They were armed at the devil's pleasure and are up-chucking the jungle rhythms of the damned. We must follow after them with a gun made in the image of Jesus' own weapon of choice. The Lord liked him a semi-automatic kind of shooter. Praise be. Wow, that's cool. Is that actually in the New Testament? Well, I can't argue with that, Doc. We're so fortunate that you've chosen to forsake your hypocritical oath and have decided to stay with us in order to dispense inspirational words of godly warlust. Now, my friend from the overhear rock, Gaibo, we need to assist you in a big hurry. Obviously, the Obamulans have supplied the village people with weapons, probably in an attempt to ingratiate themselves to the homosexual lobby. Now it's up to us to even up the score and provide your side with enough munitions, meaning boom poles, to turn you savages into savage killers. And also, lastly but not leastly, make our heterosexual confederate manufacturers a handsome profit. Be assured, Chief Myra, if you give them to us, the only way the village people would get our boom poles from us would be to pry them out of our gold dead heads. Or to purchase them from us at a boom pull show. You know, he sounded disturbingly like a unionized audio technician right there. I nearly pulled out my phaser. We're trained to kill those guys on site. First Officer Log, Star Date, Monday, Monday, da da da. Commander Ned Report. We're still in orbit around the planet Glock 5. The captain and a bunch of other losers are still on the planet screwing around and probably getting everything wrong as usual. I've been grievously wounded by a lucky shot from some washed-up musical act gone bad. Or rather, started bad and gone worse. And now I've been taken to sick pay, where I await the ship's supposed Palomino specialist. Good day to you, patient. Or should I say, sir? What seems to be the problem? Are you suffering from Rigelian eczema again? Don't they tell you anything? Or don't you even listen to the intercom? I was shot by some singing dressage fireman. Or maybe it was a construction worker. I don't know for sure. I was busy getting shot at the time. If you can just clop yourself over to the med scanner here, Mr. Ned, we'll both watch with fascination at what these futuristic bouncing little gauges do. I'm clomping the best I can under the circumstances. Oh, there goes those little gauges bouncing up and up. Just look at them go. Well, what's up here? Heartbeat's all wrong. Pulse is practically breaking the land speed record. 
Respiration is... I don't know, what the heck does that say? Well, I'll be. This man is a camel, Mr. Ned, sir. I mean to say that you, sir, are a camel, Mr. Ned, sir. And apparently not a man at all. Would you like to try for a horse? Why are you selling some kind of raffle tickets? Either way, sir, if you're a camel, if you're a person, the treatment is the same. The standard treatment for Camelophorus gigantism, or Pinckney as it's known in the provinces, is a good long bleed, followed by a blood transfusion. That's on account of you losing so much blood during the bleeding procedure. Listen, Dr. Goat, let's forget about the bleeding thing and then we can also forego the transfusion, okay? I was shot. Can't you just take the bullet out of me? You are a vet, right? Ah, what you said makes good sense. And yes, I am a vet. A veteran of the Plates War, which I know sounds all romantic, but it was mostly about orange moon cabbages, like all wars are when you get right down to it. Talk, or whatever you are, I don't know what you're talking about, and frankly I don't care. Just get a band-aid out of the cupboard, and put it on this wound so I can get back up to the bridge. Mr. Ned, the captain's unresponsive, and we've got a potentially critical situation up here. Oh, Jesus. Somebody probably made the mistake of giving Willard a stick of gum or a jelly donut. What's the nature of the crisis, mister? An Obamulan battlecruiser has assumed orbit around Glock. They're maintaining radio silence. But so far, they haven't made any hostile moves. I'm on my way to the bridge now. Get out of my way, you ridiculous Dr. Goat. <laughs> okay, okay, sir. What a hurry you're in. Here, just take this box cutter. You can bleed yourself. That is, if you get a minute. Mr. Dead, should I continue to try to raise the captain? Well, there's probably no harm in it, as long as he continues not answering. Captain's Log, Stardate, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'll fill that in later. The landing party just wrapped up our little parley with Gaibo and his people, and we've agreed to supply him with many boom poles, which are in actuality guns. And just to be on the safe side, we've also agreed to throw in a few boom poles, which are in actuality real boom poles. <laughs> I think that our sound technician may be utilizing something like that right now to record this scene. Also in the news, the landing party and I have spread out across the forbidding countryside of planet Glock 5 in order to find question, and if possible, <laughs> torture and kill a few of the village people. Oh yes, I've discovered that my communicator can be used to tune in some intergalactic high-def radio channels. I'm listening to some space music right now, and I am enjoying it greatly. I see, I see, Captain Sir. I thought I heard some kind of fussing and a grumbling coming out of that there thorny blue tree. I reckon that an exploration of an investigatory nature is warranted. <laughs> Very good, Doc. Have your phaser ready. I'll go in behind the tree and try to flush out whatever it is. You stay here and keep alert. Aye, aye, sir. Here I go. I say, Captain, do you think it was a good idea to leave Mr. Pearl with a group of headman chief boss Gabo's people? I say, don't get me wrong, Captain, sir. Mr. Pearl is a good officer, with an uncommonly well-developed self-preservation instinct. In fact, on account of that, he barely ever needs to come into the ship's surgery. I know that in the past he has shown flawless judgment, and has successfully gotten the Confederation involved in war after war. But just lately, his flagrant attempt to drum up business for his think tank consultant firm may represent one conflict of interest too many. And you know me, sir. As a conservative, I understand the societal value of a healthy conflict of interest. But shouldn't there be some kind of limit imposed? I see. Just listen to me. I'm starting to sound like a liberal tyrant. 
like nature of Earth, or school on the unintelligible, or the planet Dinkenbottom. <laughs> well, there doesn't appear to be any flushing mechanism behind that tree. Still, I did what I could. But then what was making that sound back there, Captain, sir? Well, you're the doctor, Doc. You tell me. It could have been those stuffed glossin' moon cabbages. <laughs> I probably should refrain from eating things that are glowing orange. Captain, look out! It's the much-feared Bigoto! And I was under the mistaken belief that it was just a creature of legend! Goodness gracious! That varmint is heading for me! If only Ensign Stephanie were here! It's huge, sir! And by that I mean it's as big as a large mouse! Or an extremely small dog! It's more like a vicious spiny squirrel! And oh my gosh! It has a small part of my leg between its teeth right now! I say I'd shoot it, sir! But you might get vaporized too! And that's one kind of wound that even a doctor of my skill level just can't put right! I know! I'll try to switch the vomit away! Ha! 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 <laughs> Ouch! It's okay! He's let go now! <laughs> it looks like he's going back to Barrianna! What a miserable little bastard! Oh, darn it! That grown-up curse word is going to warrant a network fine! I wonder if that's deductible! Let's have a look at what it did to you, sir. Set your leg right up here. Very well, Doc. Here it is. See, it looks like he nearly broke the skin. Are you sure that the Bigoto is the fiercest predator that lives here on this planet? I'm sure, Doc. The next biggest predator is a weevil-sized electric jackrabbit that lives inside toilet seats. <laughs> we used to see them all the time. How do you feel, Captain? Do you think that you could make it back to Gaibo's camp? I say, we can get that Bozoto clown woman to tell jokes and stuff, and maybe that'll take your mind off the pain. What a great idea! And I think that her people might also have some band-aids. Mr. Dead, I'm still unable to reach the captain. Whenever I try, all I get is some weird interference. It sounds like incredibly bad space music from the 1970s. Back when people were still using primitive, electronic, um, synthesizers. I don't think it's the village people, sir. It's not even that good. I could try to raise Mr. Pearl, but truthfully, sir, I don't think that I'll be able to bring myself to do it. That's okay. In fact, if something has happened to the captain, and if I have to carry on as commander... I'm all for leaving Mr. Pearl down there. An ambassador to the Stone Age fits his abilities better than anything else I can think of. No, no. When you need answers from the enemy, you can't just ask them questions and expect that they're going to fork over intelligence on a fork or something. War isn't a game of footsie, you know. You have to throw a bit of stick about. You guys are a primitive Stone Age tribe, right? Haven't you ever thought to torture anyone in order to find out where a very special, um, rock was? Or how to get information leading to the whereabouts of some other cave dude that might know where another very special rock was? But our people worship all rock. Then you must be particularly fond of Ted Nugent. I'll have to send him down here sometime. Maybe he'll have better luck getting through to you regarding the advantages of a good, solid torture regime. Look here, let's go over this one more time. See this melon? Now imagine that this is the head of one of the village people. Say it's a construction worker. But the village people have much bigger hair, Great Lord Pearl Rock. Well then, let's just say it's the skinhead one. There was a skinhead member of the village people, wasn't there? I recall that he used to beat on the other guys in the band. Captain Harry Reed of the Abomulid Warbird is requesting communication with us. Sure, let's give him a thrill. Put Captain Reed on the speakers, mister. Greetings, Free Enterprise. This is Captain Harry Reed of the Abomulid ship, um, the OU Plywood, 
We've noticed your interest in this sector, Captain Romney. Are you carrying out one of your um, fine capitalist experiments down there on the planet Glock 5? Not that there's anything the least bit problematic about that, if you are, but will you be requiring any assistance from us for your enterprise? Hmm? Captain Reed, this is acting Captain Edward Palaminius Withers, speaking for the free enterprise, and I'm asking you to stand down. This star system isn't part of the Abomulan Empire, you know. Certainly, Acting Captain Withers. We're standing down as you requested, and we certainly didn't mean any offense. We can leave right now if you want us to, or we could stay and help you out. Would you prefer us to surrender our ship to you, or initiate our self-destruct procedure? Mr. Welsh, cut the audio for a moment. Let's make him sweat for a while. Horse is a horse, of course, of course. Do 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 do. It is, of course, unless the horse. Okay, Welsh, put up the sound again. Okay, okay, I'll surrender all our Empire strategic intelligence to you. Anything, just please, please talk to me again. Captain Reed, what exactly is the plywood doing here? Well, Captain Withers, we're arming the Glossians to enable them to fight off an attack from a musically underdeveloped race called the Village People. But we were providing them with only weapons of Confederate manufacture. I hope this pleases you. It pleases me not at all, Captain Reed. In fact, the more I think about it, the angrier it makes me. Oh, I'm so terribly sorry, Captain Withers. Lord Withers. Splendid, most perfect and divine Sir Withers. Please, please, please accept our deepest apologies for, well, whatever it is we did. I mean, all those things that we did. Mr. Ned, this is getting kind of uncomfortable, watching that guy squirm around like that. Do you think that we could just let them slink away now, like we usually do? Yeah, sure, I'm finished with them anyway. Reed... Just be sure that you all report to your own disintegration chambers within the next hour or so. I don't want to mess up our own disintegration gear with any stray wimp-ass atoms from your pathetic carcasses. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, we will obey. You are so kind and so wise. Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Goodbye now. No more words. Just get out of here. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm sorry. Goodbye. They're warping out of orbit, Mr. Death, now making for Obomulant space. Do you think that they were telling the truth, sir? Most likely, they're way too cowardly to lie. So we both have been arming the same side. I think that Gaibo guy has been playing us for chumps, trying to get as many free boom poles as he possibly can. I'll give him boom poles, all right. I can't help but make a suggestion at this point in the show. That is regarding our strategic position vis-a-vis the Albomulans and the Glossians. I guess that I'm obligated to listen, since your foreign policy acumen was so highly regarded by mainstream television pundits and conservative think tank trolls. Though it's all kind of a house of mirrors with those goobers. As far as the Glossians go, you should be willing to pull out all the stops. Consult your military chiefs. See if they believe in war. My bet is that they do. Do whatever your political advisors determine that the defense contractors want. Of course, they can be relied on for maxing out contributions during an upcoming campaign. Arm your side with more sophisticated weapons. And try out some new gear. After all, we're talking about a proxy war between two great powers. The Confederation and the Obamulan Empire. And that can be a lucrative prospect in any century. But weren't you listening, Mr. Dixon, sir? Both the Confederation and the Obamulans are arming the same side. It doesn't matter. The battle here is one of ideology. You have to support the side that facilitates the free market schemes of your own corporate sponsors. If that regime doesn't exist, then the onus is on you to create a passable facade and keep it propped up for as long as it's of some use. And then when the time is right, you can leave it behind like a badly cut turd on a restroom floor. And then it's on to China. Um, but that's not applicable at all in these circumstances. It is after a dozen martinis. 
I don't mind if I do. Oh, yes, and you should invade Laos. I mean that Glossian moon, Glaus, I think it's called. That is just to be on the safe side. Thanks, Mr. Nixon. Jesus. Captain's log. Stardate, um, half past the Martian's ass, quarter to his... Hey, <laughs> this isn't my watch. Upon reaching Gaibo's camp, I was taken into one of our plastic cave sets and lay down on a bed of something called Rockstone, but I'm pretty sure it was plastic too. Gaibo's wife, Sven Uncle, the Bozotu woman, put a band-aid on me that wiggled like a worm. It was incredible. <laughs> and somehow she was able to move that little sucker around with her fingers while at the same time applying the band-aid. I have to be sure to remember to look that up in my Bible to see if it was legal. Right now I'm being treated to a song and dance number. Sven Oinkle is heaving herself around the room, while her husband, my friend Gaibo, is giving the performance of a lifetime on a glushing one-sided drum. My gosh, this is the best cave show I've seen in some time. Gaibo, Svenoikel, that was most enjoyable. And thank you for the Band-Aid. I see, I see. I must admit that if it wasn't for the animal head trophies surrounding us and all the guns, I mean, boom poles, I would have blamed the devil for that performance. But now I can forego all my religious misgivings and trepidations and just go throw up in a corner. See you all in a minute. Great headman, Chief Boss Byram, I now ask you to provide us with even more boom poles, larger ones, one as big as the largest blue thorn Gucci tree, and we want more magic boom powder, too. <laughs> well, the colossal guns we can manage, but I think we may be fresh out of baby powder. Doc, do you think we can make a special run to Big Baby Ass 5 and pick up a few tons of that stuff? Why, Mr. Ned, <laughs> I thought you'd be stone dead by now. I guess that Dr. Goat really knew what he was doing. Yeah, I found him easily to be up to the high standard that the free enterprise has set for its senior officers. Except that he didn't have a chicken suit on. Oh, headman chief boss Byram, the strange talking beast just appeared from the nothing rock in a twinkle of fire. Stuff it with a caveman talk, Gaibo Rock, if that is your real name. The gig is up and the free weapon spigot has just been shut off from the source. You're just gonna have to buy your cheap guns at the space mall, like everyone else. I see, I see. What are you saying, Mr. Ned, sir? I'm calling this guy out. He's nothing but a conniving charlatan. Or should I say, Charlton? <laughs> now, Ned, that gunshot wound has obviously made you delirious, and now you're starting to insult our most gracious boompole toting hosts. One of my people's bonus commandments says never to do that. <laughs> it's a shame that original tablet was lost, but we all pretty much know what it said. Still, I think that one of the other commandments said, Thou shalt not lose those huge golden tablets. But what are you going to do? <laughs> if only we had someone around here that had the religious authority to help us work our way through this theological quandary. Okay, horse. So you found me out and you somehow even tipped off this rock-headed commander of yours, hinting around about commandments and alluding to my stint as Moses. Well, I oughta... I told you he was a legitimate caveman. See, he's still talking about rocks. Now I'd advise you all to stay right where you are. The first one of you that moves is gonna make like a colander full of ketchup. It was you that shot me, wasn't it, Heston? You coward! Shooting a horse in the back! I'm blaming it all on an effeminate singing group from the 1970s that no one but you can see! I didn't think that you could possibly sink any lower than a Mega Man, but somehow you managed it. 
I tell you, you're not gonna get away with it this time. Actually, I'm halfway home already. The free enterprise will have plenty of room for me and my associates. That is, after the village people launch a surprise attack that kills the entire landing party. I see. I don't remember that happening. Was I present during the unfolding of that tragic piece of drama? Like the falling of Atlanta, it must have been. Let's see. Who do we start with? Hi, everybody. I'm sorry I'm so late, but these people are so profoundly stupid that I have to tell them everything 12 times, and even then they get it wrong. It's incredible. You know what? I think that if stupid was a useful commodity, an entrepreneur could come down here and start bottling it and make a million credits in one hour. I'm starting to think that the village people might be on to something. I mean, with their extermination campaign and all. Hey, what's going on? Why is Gaibo holding a boom pole? I mean, a gun on you all. You have excellent timing as usual, Mr. Pearl. Old Gaibo here was just trying to decide which one of us was the most worthy of being the first to collect a bullet. Oh no, you're not trying to teach them how to roll their own ammo, are you? They'll never get that right. They'll probably blow themselves up and save the village people the trouble of doing it. Now what do we have here? A real live and fully feathered neocon chicken hawk. Come on in, Mr. Pearl, and sit down and make yourself comfortable before I do it permanent-like. Hey, wait a minute. You're Charlton Heston, the star of Omega Man, and I think probably a few other movies, too. You were head of the NRA, and then I thought you were dead. Doesn't anyone ever stay dead on this show? It seems like washed-up actors and politicians only appear to grow old and then they move into outer space. It all seems like another improbable plot for a B science fiction movie. Hey, kind of like Omega Man. Keep talking, Pearl. You're just making this easier and easier. Oh, shit. And I think I left Mr. Stephanie at the bottom of a cliff. Is it possible that one of you more heroic types can say something inflammatory regarding Mr. Heston's mother or wife or something of that nature? I really would appreciate it about now. And if it helps, um, uh, consider it in order. Mr. Pearl... At least now you can see what it feels like to die like an officer. You've granted that favor to thousands of others and your war's a choice back on Earth. Now the tables have turned and you're the fodder. How do you like it? I don't. I much prefer fixing intelligence around favored strategic objectives and occasionally picking out bombing targets. That's what my strengths are. Dying like a dog in some plastic alien cave? I've got no aptitude for that. I see, I see. I'm hearing some unmistakable post-production tinkling sounds. And we're nowhere near the part of the cave where most of these folks do their regular tinkling. It must be Mr. Sulu's arm team of volunteers beaming down to wrap this little caper up. You're finished, Heston. Drop your boom pole. Oh, Jesus. I mean, drop your gun and give yourself up. Never. I'll go out there and take as many of your officers with me as I can. I'll use Mr. Pearl as my human shield. If anything, I think that'll just give Mr. Sulu even more incentive to shoot. Then I'll go out on my own. It won't be the first time. I'm still pretty good with one of these boom poles. I mean guns. <laughs> Gaibo, old friend from the Overhear Rock. Please don't do it. Don't go out there. You'll never make it, old friend. You've got it wrong, my Ram. There's no old friendship here. You're just another guy that's standing in my way. I'm gonna take my chances like I always have. Good night, suckers. This is Lieutenant Sulu of the Confederate Starship Free Enterprise. Identify yourself and drop your weapon. Stop right there. I mean it. We'll shoot. So will I eat this. And have some of these to go along with it. Fenoikel, my rum, forgive me. Eh.
Oh, Gaivo. Darn it. Well, at least he stayed true to himself and to his love of boom poles right up until the end. I say, I say. He was a great criminal, but he was also great. Are you guys serious? You're going to romanticize that criminal? He wasn't even a decent actor. I see, I see. But his God was God. And he was once our very own Technicolor Moses. Yes, and he was also my good friend from the Overhear Rock. Together we made a packet of cash at one time. I'd sell the radioactive shoes, then he'd have his cave boys bring them back to the outlet stores after the customers died from their pre-existing radiation sicknesses. And then we'd sell them all over again. Yes, very touching. Captain, is everyone all right in here? We're all fine, Mr. Sulu. In fact, better than fine. Uh, I see that you are. It turns out that the Gaibo, I mean, Heston's bark was worse than his bite. He held us hostage, threatened to kill us, but didn't do it in the end. But I suppose he could have shared his plate of Soylent Green with us, though. That would have been nice. <laughs> well, I guess we should all transport back to the ship. Once we get up there, we'll start sending down the first shipments of weapons. Willard, what are you talking about? We just proved that this whole operation was a sham. Heston was just playing us and the Abarmulans in order to get as many free weapons as he could, probably so that he could turn around and sell them to space terrorists at intergalactic gun shows. Exactly. We owe it to the memory of the man to see that his greatest life goal carries on even without him. I see, but we'll never truly be without him. Indeed, whenever I hear of a man shooting or see a simple boom pole wielded by one of our own venerable, ununionized audio people. I'll think of that grand man standing there at his Stone Age get-up, helping to guarantee all of our freedoms. Willard, you and your crew are crazy. You're also reckless, deluded, and incompetent in the extreme. I've said my piece. I see, I see. Shouldn't you be putting a sir in that sentence somewhere, Mr. First Officer? Mr. Sulu, beam us up home. Um, I'm standing over here, sir. I'm also on the planet. <laughs> so you are, mister. So you are. That was Netrek 10, A Plea for Arms, from last June. Yes, indeed. Um, I'm going to play a song that we played some time back. This is a recording, kind of an ad hoc recording of a song that Matt and I wrote together called Quality Lincoln. Quality Lincoln. This is a rather unembellished recording of us playing that song from our bygone days. Here it is, Quality Lincoln. Lincoln suffered from depression, Joe, but it wasn't because of a war, you know, and it wasn't because of a son who died or the wacky behavior of his bride. Lincoln had a rare disease.
That's all we've got. Look for our July episode coming up very soon. New episode of Ned Trek. Six new songs. Yes, we're working away at it as quickly as we can. Matt's been busy with his falcons. <laughs> Falconing again. And of course, I've been busy with 
this, that, and the other thing. So we will be posting very soon. Stay tuned. Follow us at Big Green Joe on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Visit us at big-green.net. See you soon.